Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of Retailistic. Today, we are going to talk about the apparel industry and specifically Shein. We're going to include one of our analysts, Anand Kumar, who is our apparel and footwear sector head. So let me kick it off by laying some of the groundwork in terms of you know what we're seeing right now. And depending on the category, right, we're, if we think about the hourglass, we're certainly seeing differences in consumption between luxury, you know, kind of the middle of the hourglass and, and certainly value-oriented retailers with, you know, the middle continuing to get a bit squeezed. As we've moved our way through earnings season, we've heard from many retailers who are still over inventory despite moving through the holiday season. Their plans in terms of how they're going to handle that excess inventory, whether some of them are actually packing away, which is a term I hadn't heard in quite some time. And, you know, others are certainly seeing an impact to margins, I think, greater than many of us had expected. But how did we get here is, if you remember, in 2021, we saw a shortage almost of inventory, which is, you know, kind of unprecedented. And as a result, the retailers in many cases couldn't help themselves and so didn't want to miss out on a, a dime of demand. And many of them overproduced. Those who are clients of CoreSight, uh, we very much recommended to not increase production year on year to, you know, kind of give that consumer the sense of, you know, scarcity. But I would say for the most part, that is not what we saw in the market. And as a result, it's been... Uh, 22 is more challenging, I think, 23 also, uh, just because there's still, I mean, you know, I love the fact that Lululemon continues to have, and actually we probably should be documenting this better, though we made too much sale, which every time I go to their website just to show a client, I'm like, and they're still having the we made too much sale. So that, you know, just shows you, I think, the degree, I think that sale has been happening almost since um, 23 started, and we are now in the third month almost midway through, I think that tells you just how much they overproduced. So let's take a baby step backwards and look at some of the proprietary research that we've done in 23 around apparel, footwear, and accessories. So on the apparel side, we're you know continuing to see Amazon as the, the giant here really in terms of where consumers are shopping, where they want to shop. A lot of it is the ease of purchase, the ease of returns, the ability to really kind of have that, you know, marketplace experience where it's very easy to kind of understand what they're buying, the, you know, kind of make of the product. Could the descriptions be improved? Absolutely. You know, we at CoreSight do a lot of global cross-border work. When we're bringing U.S. companies to China, right, 16 PDPs are required and usually an embedded video. And on top of that, there's usually at least 16 hours of live streaming a week. So if you think about the ability to really understand and know a product, which is why in China we see returns at just 9%. And here in the U.S., when it comes to you know apparel, we're, we're talking a number with with a four in front of it, right? Around 40%. It could be color, it could be fit, it could be, you know, it took too long to get to me, I don't need it anymore. And, you know, I think we also have a culture, and I want to say I think Zappos really was the company that encouraged this, 
where you can order 10 things. If you don't like them, you can return all 10. There's no shipping cost in either direction. But when we start to think about returns and sustainability, to me, this industry needs to do whatever they can to give more information to the consumer, to allow them to make better decisions so that we don't have you know, this, this huge impact on the environment because many of these items can't be resold. You know, they are either, you know, sold on a, you know, let's just say a previously loved website. There are other ways that they are disposed of, but, you know, still many of this product that's returned does not drive the retailer's top or bottom line in the way that they had originally expected. And that's because I think that, you know, we were so generous in returns, right? I have to say, the customer is not always right, right? The customer doesn't get to wear something to an event and then return it. And these are some of the challenges I think we're facing right now that, you know, we as an industry need to come together and, you know, put a really kind of almost a mantra out to consumers to let them know that they can participate in the sustainability movement, if you will, by being more, you know, being really more conscious about what they're ordering and how they're ordering it. And, you know, if it isn't the exact color, is it okay? Is it, you know, if it isn't, you know, kind of, and I think it goes back to just the ordering, right? To order 10 dresses up front for an event that you have coming up and expect it to return nine of them. I, I think we have to change that. So taking a jump back into looking at, you know, Shein, which Anon is going to join us and talk to us about, we are looking at Shein as I think being the 13th most shopped retailer across all age groups. Now, this is from a proprietary survey that Corsite did. From what we've seen and from what we've heard from many different retailers, they are feeling the pinch and they are saying that it is impacting their overall sales, right? That you have a consumer who is you know, very interested in this market. And we're also seeing, you know, many customers who are shopping, you know, kind of over a size, let's call it 14, you know, in the extended sizes range, who have really found a, a home with Shein. And it is really kind of fulfilling a need that they haven't found met elsewhere. And, you know, I think that this is incredibly important because the consumer is speaking up. I do hope retailers are listening. And, you know, if we see in our proprietary survey, you know, who is below Shein, I mean, it's quite concerning, right? An American Eagle, an Urban Outfitters, a Lululemon. And so you start to think about, I mean, Zara is all the way, you know, it's it's almost not even on the chart, which I think is showing up in, in some of their numbers. And so, you know, as we start to look at, you know, Shein moving into the offline world, I do think that this is a real concern to, you know, to everybody overall. And, you know, some of what they've done so well is also being very kind of inclusive. And I just, I don't mean that just from a size perspective, but also, you know, their models and it, and it's really kind of authentic. And I think that that is incredibly encouraging in terms of, what, you know, they're, they're really like a role model in some ways for what the consumer, what, what they're, what's resonating with them. Right. And I think that that is, you know, it's, you know, yes, 
Two-thirds of Americans are over size 14, right? We need to think about having product for them, right? I mean, talking to some retailers who don't want to have that product on their floor. Okay, so put it online. That in and of itself, and I understand, right, especially in specialty retail, right, we've got very small boxes. So could we have, you know, a sample of that, you know, kind of size? Can the consumer try it on? Can then they then order it? But we've got to figure out a different way to, right, if we've got sizes, you know, let's call it double zero to 28, that's a lot of product, right? To have every color in every size is not realistic in a 3,000 square foot box. So we've got to either figure out virtual fit, which, you know, many, many of us have dove into over the years. And, you know, I think 3D Look does a great job. I think that TrueFit does a great job, but there, there needs to be kind of, you know, this, this more mass adoption. And I think that if retailers really understood, oh my gosh, we did a conference in February of 18. I do want to thank Janice from Alvinon because it was our first gig as course site as an independent entity. And we did an inclusive design conference. It was unbelievable. We talked about not only, you know, kind of adaptive apparel. So for people with disabilities, and 40 million Americans, mind you, identify in the census as being a PWD, let alone, you know, so many people who don't identify that way, but who do have circumstances and it could be temporary, right? You break your leg, you need a different type of garment, right? I mean, it's going to be very difficult to pull on a pair of jeans over a cast. And so these are these are two very unique markets, but ultimately they make up, you know, what we look at as inclusive design, right? Like, making something for everybody. So if you have any kind of disability, once again, it could be permanent or temporary. If you are in a size over 14, right? I had, I remember I get on stage and I talked about how, right? For those of you who know me, right? I'm all of five feet tall, right? Big, big voice, small, small person. And, you know, I remember having to shop at, you know, this is years ago, but when Saks had like petites on the ninth floor and I was like, my friends were all shopping on three and four. And if I actually wanted to buy anything, I was like relegated to a different floor far, far away. Mind you, it was petites and plus. So we were all relegated, right? Anyone in this inclusive size dimension, we were all relegated somewhere else. And so to me, I think the consumer is speaking up. I think Shein has listened. And I think we're now going to have a phenomenal conversation with Anand Kumar to tell us about how they're really understanding the consumer, how they got here and what it means. Thanks so much, Anand. Can't wait to get this conversation started. All right. So why do you think their store format is so different than what we've seen in the West? So uh, the store that CN launched in Japan is is still new. It's, it's an initial phase. And um, so in, in, in typical store a shopper can just go to uh, go to the aisle and take the product and take it to the counter and buy it. But in CN store, uh, one cannot just pick up the product and 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 uh, pay pay at the counter and and take it with them because uh, in CN store one has to order by online only. So even if they are in store, they need to order the product by online, and for that they need to scan the product. QR code. Great. And why do you think they've had such tremendous growth throughout the West? So CN uh, growth is mainly driven by its real-time, uh, real-time data-driven uh, model. 
so cn cn has uh, cn has been capitalizing on its uh, comprehensive manufacturing and supply chain capabilities in in china in guangzhou region so uh, cn to the data driven demand forecasting it capitalizes on three types of data first is the first party data from its website from its app the second is uh, the the third party data so for for instance it 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 tracks the google trends data based on shoppers purchase third is it also uh, capture data from th- from its competitor website through machine learning data science so these are the source of its data which it fed in its design system and and uh, the company's real time model has helped it to reduce it lead time from design to production to from 3 th- 3 weeks to almost 5 days uh, which is way shorter if we compare it with its competitor for for instance boohoo take uh, at least 2 weeks to uh, bring the product from design to production to sale even even for uh, for its the product which are which are manufactured in its proximity location on the other hand its standard uh, deliver uh, lead time from design to production is around 3 to 6 week same with uh, inditex which has a lead time of nearly 3 weeks so uh, cn uh, lead time is much shorter so the failure of trying different fabrics or different color is in cn is much lower as compared to its rival other than that uh, cn has kept its price extremely low as compared to its competitor which has helped in bolstering bolstering its sales especially in the current inflationary environment for instance uh, a a a, shirt, a a skirt would cost around 10 dollar to 50 dollar in asos and boohoo but in cn it will cost around 6 dollar to 20 dollar so it has kept its price extremely low which has helped it to which has helped it to uh, boost uh, boost sales especially among its target audience which are uh, generation z uh, with age ranging between 15 and 25 That's super helpful. And then what about the extended sizes and inclusivity that I think Shein has done such a phenomenal job at? How do you think they figured out this market and you know once again why haven't western brands been able to figure this out? So Shein has basically benefited from uh, identifying the trends faster uh, versus its competitor uh, through its data driven uh, demand forecasting model and um, as compared to its western counterparts cn is benefiting from its uh, from its comprehensive manufacturing and supply chain capabilities it, it partners with almost 100 contractors and uh, nearly 6000 suppliers in guangzhou region and uh, which has uh, really helped it to 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 bring the product trendy product to the market at at a very cheaper price so it has benefited Uh, in the uh, producing them in mass and keeping the cost low now one thing i want to mention is cn has able to uh, keep it cost low as compared to its competitor and uh, bring the trendy product to market 
it just launched around 50 design to the market and based on the demand based on the clicks by the shoppers it it orders more production and in case it finds that the the particular design is not gaining momentum among consumers it discard those designs so it's, it's, it's very uh, i would say it's uh, much speedier as compared to its counterpart in terms of design in terms of production in terms of like uh, and find throughout trend uh, capturing the customer and uh, one major part of CN strategy is the aggressive social media operation. So uh, CN uh, social media followers are substantially higher as compared to uh, say Asos or Boohoo. Like uh, for Asos and Boohoo, uh, followers at Facebook are less than 10 million, whereas for CN it's nearly 25 million. Same at Instagram, the followers of Asos and Boohoo are less than 15 million. For CN, it's nearly 23 million. So uh, the social media strategy has really helped the CN to attract the younger audience. And so if, if you were to sum up, right, because it, it is having this global impact, the you know for retailers to kind of get ahead right it, you know it's not just an, enough to like meet them where they are yeah what would be your advice in terms of what retailers need to do so uh, so see an on demand technology on demand technology model is more is more relevant for pure play retailers like asos and boohoo uh, because because an pure pay retailers need not incur overhead cost for overhead cost for maintaining inventory. But uh, if we see offline retailers, uh, it's not possible to match CN on-demand retail technology or real-time business model. The thing that that uh, uh, an offline retailers can do is they can collaborate with technology vendors and. Uh, build more resilient and flexible supply chain and uh, gradually reduce their lead time from design to to production to sales uh, this 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 will help them to bring more trendy product to the market because the lead time is shorter than uh, they can capitalize on on more trend uh, on launching more trendy products and which can help them to uh, create an uh, a more aspirational product without going for a markdowns and which can help them to preserve their margin so that's one thing they can do other thing is the uh, the demand forecasting demand forecasting uh, technology uh, like they can combine artificial intelligence human judgment invest more on uh, on capturing data through through their app through the loyalty programs so this uh, this can help uh, like CN, uh, brand editors can also invest in their uh, social media strategy. I know like uh, many brands and editors are already investing a lot in their social media strategy. Uh, but uh, a differentiated approach can uh, can help them to uh, gain an advance. For, for instance, CN, CN does not use uh, like big brand ambassador for their product. It, it, use, uh, it capitalizes on its own customer and project them as a brand ambassador of its product. So CN uh, provide gifts, uh, 
and other discounts for customers who who endorse the CN products over social media. So some some unique approach, uh, just like that, can be can be helpful for brands and retailers to uh, to get ahead of CN. So in this regard, and yeah. I think that's a that's a great way to leave it because I think that you know the the great thing is when there's a strong competitor in the market, right? They they always push us to do better, and you know whether it's being more sustainable, more inclusive, you know, thinking about ways to rethink our processes. And I do think that that's what Shein has done, and they they kind of came on and 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 took the consumer by storm. And so the the implications here are that. You know, I think they will continue to be an important, you know, global retailer. We'll see them, you know, continuing to innovate, whether it's through the marketing side or technology. And and I think that'll help the entire retail ecosystem, you know, continue to innovate. So Anand, thank you. This was incredibly interesting. There's a lot to unpack here, a lot of data. And thanks everyone for joining us again for another episode of Retailistic. We look forward to, I believe, diving into the grocery space with FMI next week. Thanks so much for joining us. And please like, subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and have a great week. Thanks. Thanks, Anand.